20 years, about 25, 20 years, I was working on the original, and he's been in it. Thank you for your vision, too. Heard his story way back in the day. So it's been, it's been really neat to see how God used his people through the years, and he's spoken to a lot of folks in the area. First, the missionary that actually and I think we were going to chance to do that. So, if you get to know, basically, we're going up there uh, to help prepare the kids. So, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, preparation for all that. And as we may, can't be so far in June. And it's something like that, maybe we'll make it easy, whatever. And so, we have a great ability to help out in grade. So, we have some people who want to be extended. We're friends from way back. So if you would love to go see an incredible scenery and a sense of work and see some beauty, that's your mission good right there. It's uh, really, really How many of you been to the woods? Oh, yeah. You can see quite a few. And so hopefully we'll be able to have a chance to do that. We'll talk a little bit today about the Ephesians 4 text we talked about a couple of weeks ago. In the book of Acts, Probably one of my favorite true stories that's recorded in that book has to do with a man by the name of Stephen. I mean, you can think of Peter, you can think of Paul and the mission dream, etc. But that story to me really, really highlights the early church. Stephen was one of the deacons in the early church. So his job was to help minister to the widows and those who were in need that were elderly. And that was the first job that those who were servants in that way, uh, that was what their office was, first of all, to do. But he was also a man God told who had specific qualities about him. And one of the most incredible things about the name is that in fact, the longest recorded message was received. It wasn't from Paul. It wasn't even from Peter. But Peter had the longest recorded message in the whole book of Acts. It was a detailed one. Stephen, because he's preaching Jesus and preaching the death and resurrection of Christ, was summoned to the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin was a group of men who were religious, lost people that were criticizing preaching in the name of Jesus. So he brought before them. And magically, Stephen begins to give them an Old Testament story. He goes the whole way back to Genesis and brings them right through the historical uh, evidence in scriptures about the Jews. And what he noted was, and remember how uh, whenever they come out of Egypt and uh, they asked Aaron to make them a god out of uh, you know, that they could worship, and he says they were in the sin of unbelief. They just didn't believe God. So he's using it to say to them in that day and age. By the way, you're just like the unbelieving Jews of the past. Out of the hardness of your heart, you've taken the Messiah, the one who was sent, and you look at him and you murdered him. You murdered him. And they did that well. They told us immediately to start grinding the teeth out of them. And so painful and angry in him. Because the man came tense because he's looking up in heaven. And he said, I can see Jesus. 
of what he killed, I see Jesus at the moment. At that point, they grabbed it. They took him out of the city limits. Don't look like he's stoned. He's dirt. Take him out. And they stoned him. And when they began to stone him, it told us that he began to cry to Jesus and talk to him. And he says, Lord, take no record of this. Don't let this sin that they are committing right now of murder again. Don't put them on their account. Where did Stephen learn that? Why did he say that? Why didn't he say, I want a court? I want a judge. I want a lawyer. This is not right. He never said anything about it. What he did was he took the suffering patiently. I'd rather he took it to the door. How did he learn that? Where did he get that type of mindset? Look for prepare again before to know how to react in life. Years ago, whenever uh, we saw on the news a murderer going to an Amish school and began to kill, afterwards it was very rare for an Amish man to be interviewed on TV, but he was willing to do this. And one of the very first things out of his mouth was this We forgive. The man who just murdered these these people, these children in the in the Islamic courts. Why? Why would they have that reaction? It's because they have been taught. The taught ahead of time. How do we react? By the way, this is a bit of a, a commercial, if you will, for what we're going to be talking about more next year. We really Christians. I'm going to say this in my life, as well as many that I watch. We fail to connect the Word of God with our life situation. And we get in the flesh and we get angry and we say, I know the Bible says, but, and we're not reacting well. And so we're going to be getting into some, some topics that next year, at least the beginning of the year. And so, so we see a man who obviously heard Jesus. He knew what the Savior said on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What is that one from Jesus? So I learned to not only take the suffering in my cross that I have to bear, but I'm going to take it well. I'm going to take it with joy, just like Jesus got it in joy. And so I'm going to take the situation and I'm going to honor God in it. And I'm not going to allow bitterness and anger. And God is dead. Why would God let this stuff happen to me? There was none of that. Why? Because he had been taught by the Savior. He knew how to react. He understood the whole world that he was living with. They're unsafe people. Of course they're going to kill him. Why would we expect that they did this? Marvel not that the world hates you because of made in first. So... He also has this mindset of forgiveness. So remember, he's with people, this religious group, that knew the law inside and out, and all they're showing is this opposite. They're showing hate. 
and blowing anger. They're speaking evil words against them. They're cursing them. And he's over here blessing them. When we listen to the voice of Christ and we hear it, and then we begin to believe that the words of Christ are true, it then begins to transform our minds in the world that we live in. We will then know how to act every act in life. And as we're going to see more next year, when we start dealing with the mind, we start dealing with the things that we go through, the emotions of anger and depression and, and, and the, the, the anxiety that we go through. And we're going to be dealing with some of these things. We need to connect the scriptures with our life. But this part of it all, what I'm dealing with at the end of this year, is truly transitioning. We're building this whole case of how we as Christians are to be thinking. If we don't believe that Jesus Christ is truth, and His Word is truth, we're going to continue in the same course that we are. There has to be something that triggers inside of the brain that the Bible is right. The Bible is truth. Everything from creation, Genesis 1, to the new heaven and the new earth, Revelation 21 and 22, and everything in between it is true. It is right. And it goes beyond a culture, it goes beyond a generation. It is true for every generation, including ours. And here we are, living in a day where we're seeing persecution, we're seeing beheading, we're seeing all these things that are happening in the Christian. And we look at our circle of, of life that we're in, and, and we, we see this, this place where we are at in our, in our day and age, and we're thinking, how do I act and how do I react? We're going to learn in Ephesians chapter 4 that there has to be a renewed mind. The, the sense of this is we have we we look at things. This thought that God is saying is that it begins somewhere, but it is an ongoing thing. It's present, and it will be there for the future. So it goes beyond just past and the future. The thought is, it has to always continually be there in your mind. You ever notice the scripture one day you can put the devil in He does not intimidate you at all. And the next day, your weakness can be. Maybe I'm in one. But every day, man, it's like, boom, everything is just going. Standard ideas are God's power, the Holy Spirit's power, everything is right there. We're really doing good. And the next day, we have a tail between the legs and we're running and we're weeping. And we're going into a little corner, towering, but what am I going to do? The body failed to go to the word and believe the truth that God has said. So let's look at this for We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go to verse 17. And once we found that, would you please stand out of respect of God's incredible word? Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 17. 
This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the emptiness or vanity of their mind. You'll notice the mind is brought up much in the text. Having the understanding of being alienated from the life of God through the indignation that is in them because of the blindness of the heart, who being past feeling has given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. If you have gotten the Christian, if you have not so learned Christ, I believe this is not what Christ taught you. It will be, and here's the condition of saying that you have heard him, have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Next he says, put off. So you put off concerning the former computational lifestyle, the old man, which is brought before you to the people of life. And be renewed, there again is the mind, the renewal in the spirit of your mind. Notice this now. And put on. So in verse 22, he says, put this off. Strip yourself of this. But now clothe yourself with the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, Father, as we look at your word for coming in, bless the reading of your word. Help us, Lord, to understand you, who you are, that you are absolute truth. And that your word is an eternal truth. Help us, Lord, to line up with what your word says. And the blessing, the help, the aid that we need, I believe, will truly be there. Teach us, Lord, what to put off. Teach us, Lord, what to put on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the first couple of verses, verse 17 and 18. And we should never, never be surprised what the lost world does. We do seem to be surprised how far the lost world can go. And we really should not be surprised. Why? Because the monks, they are truly ignorant when it comes to understanding and what is moral versus immoral. There is a blindness on purpose inside of the heart, and they choose to allow their understanding to be darkened. What do they fill that up with? That was in verse number 19. They begin to go towards uncleanness, going after and allowing their, their lifestyle to be that which is filled with greed and, and immorality. And so we should never be surprised about where the world is at. And by the way, your preacher was there. I mean, today, well, I was going you did better in my life before Jesus. It was all about me, what I can get. I didn't care who I hurt. Well, this is going to say, maybe we're dealing with here. We should not be surprised. What changes? Why am I your pastor now? I, I did a lot of bad things in the Okay? A lot of that What qualifies me now to stand in front of you and talk about how you live for Jesus now? What gives me the right? If I did the drugs, and I did. And I did the alcohol, and I did. And I did that lifestyle. What qualifies me? A transformed life. By the way, I am transformed. 
nothing wrong with us, nothing get out of these bad habits. I'm doing it all. I'm 14 years old. I'm already doing the easy things. I'm already doing the PCPs. I'm already doing all of the, the uh, asses, etc. So I'm going to be freaking out of the brain at all. No, seriously. I mean, I do this stuff so, so young. When I heard about Jesus Christ, there is a transformation that happens. It is, it is the heart. Ultimately, the heart is where we believe in Jesus Christ. But there begins to change, it begins to change some things that are happening inside of your mind because you begin to look at what has always been taught versus what you're learning about Jesus Christ. When I first heard about Jesus Christ, I really thought that he was talking about my mentor. He was like a Messiah to me. The guy who got me into witchcraft and all those stupid books that I read and all the education I got until 3 and 4 in the morning. I mean, it was like, oh, you're going to give me anything. And I'm, I'm trying to reason out religion. I'm trying to reason out what's the truth. And when I started hearing about the cross, when I started hearing about what God's Word says, to make that the Word of God is alive. It was going to really work inside of me as a 19 year old, and I'm like, this is different. And I tried, I found I tried to connect what I was taught with this new thing that I was learning about Christ, and I tried to merge them. That lasted literally two minutes in my mind. I remember that church sitting and thinking, no, 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 Don't even try to connect what you've been taught with this. This religion is different. This is completely different to me. And so I'm hearing this, and there had to be a change that was happening in my mind. And what I was learning about was Christ. And how I could be made whole. I could be made whole. Not because of what I've done, but because of the cross. And he can take all of my records and clean them all up. That I will be totally forgiven, and I didn't deserve it. And that's why it's called grace. So upon conversion, you are focused Christ. He now becomes the focus. He now becomes your subject. He is the focal point of everything. He becomes your instructor. He is the one that now teaches you how to live, how to act, how to react in life. And you begin to deny all the things that you were taught before him. This is repentance. Turn from what you once believed, what you once thought to be true, and you completely go the opposite direction, 180, and there is a change or a repentance that happens inside of you, and you begin to see Christ for who he really is. And once you understand the, the gospel, it begins to then affect the heart. And I love how Romans 10 tells us that that doth affect what I now the Lord Jesus. And believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and eternity. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a promise. Promise. There's no second, there's a period, there's the end of that. It's a done deal by God. If you can call on him, he will do this for you, as he did for me. Sadly, 
the physical mind stays together. Wouldn't it be awesome if your physical mind would totally transform the most amazing in your heart? But guess what? That wouldn't happen. You are still you. You have a personality. We all have unique personalities. We're about to say, she's so funny. We all have opinions. You have opinions, you have leads, you have best, etc. There's attitude that goes along with it. And you have an incredible, great idea that I want you to get out of. I thought you were on the best. The ego thinks the mind stays the same. In other words, the mind and how it functions and, and, and what we can change. The change is not in mind physically. Even in the essence of an operation, neither it is in the mind as if it were a superficial change of opinion, you know, of points or doctrines or factors. That's not what God is talking about, the, the transformed mind. What transforms, first of all, is the heart inside of us. Heart, what we believe in, what drives us, begins to then change how we reason and how we think. We begin to see the teachings of Christ, we believe it on the, in the heart, and now Christ is in you. You, because you invited Jesus Christ in your heart, you have now been given the Holy Spirit of God who is going to guide you into all truths. God begins to transform the mind because we have a new heart. One which is now alive to God. Romans 13 gets into that detail. By the way, I am going to take a quick commercial. By saying all this, does not make you and I as Christians seemingly perfect, or that we view ourselves as that we're perfect and we're all great about everything. That's been around a lot of preachers that really feel that. They're never wrong. Okay. Neither are they ever in doubt. You know, they're always right. Anyways, so we have this brain that needs to be transformed. Slowly, methodically, God begins to cause the way we reason, the way we think, and how highlight it, the mechanics of the mind to change because we have Christ. Our desires begin to conform to be like Jesus' desires. Our motives and our purpose begin to change to be like Jesus Christ. Look back in this chapter earlier in verse number 13. Ephesians 4 13. Again, I know that's how to develop it. Well, that's just going to give you a point. Uh, the aim or the goal for you and I as believers is in verse 13. So we, that's the believers. All come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, another name for Jesus, unto the mature or perfect man. What's the perfect man? The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our aim is to be Christ-like. Our aim is to think the way Jesus thinks. Jesus didn't teach us nothing about it. 
Jesus didn't teach us everything important in life. Jesus didn't teach the certain things in life that there was no morality or immorality in that. Christ didn't teach those things. That's why he, he points out the way the world thinks because of their minds being darkened allow anything to go. I'll help you with the book of Galatians. The man that was breaking in his own eyes. Oh, you think that's right? I'll go ahead and do that. Oh, I don't think it's right. We don't judge me for that. So everybody can just do whatever they want. We're in, we are living in the time of the judges. Seriously. And he goes into idolatry and all the things that all these women is for not being judges at work. There's no more else in the way so that's the last So, so that's the way for the end. And if you get into later on the year, the, the, the last day, you see some of that coming out. So, so we have this realization that there are things that are best for our personal life, for our family's life, for our church's life, for our community and country. Things that are best for the long run, not the need. But long term, that God has methodically shown, here's how the mind transforms, and we begin to start thinking ahead. True believers must now think on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is now our model. The question given to Jesus about the commandments what's the greatest commandment of all? And of course, we know the answer is the one word I got more heartful. And so we're, we're to love that. And then the second one is well done with. We are to do what? Love our. They say it a little louder. They say it like a meeting at the So who's your neighbor? You say the person beside you right now. That's a really good answer. Only that's true. Whoever you're with is your neighbor. So we're to love the person beside us, the person where we live around. It's like whoever you're. Yes, that, that's, that's who your neighbor is. And so we're supposed to love God and love our neighbor. You notice the order of that. We're to love God first. Because if we don't love God, we're not going to love man the way we search to. Without God, there is not never a proper love amongst human beings. It comes from God to understand His grace and His kindness and His mercy and all those things that God gave us. And that is then how we act towards others. For instance, I have been forgiven by God, so therefore now, I'm supposed to forgive my neighbor. But this isn't any need to forgive. They're jerks. They hurt me on purpose. I know. They have this all planned out. They hate me. Oh, they're not supposed to love them? Yes, love your neighbor. Oh, they love your enemy. Oh. Well, that was for the Jews. That's in the book of Matthew. That's not applicable to us. Christians, you know, we're supposed to be everybody. You know, that doesn't line up with us. Who taught us that? You didn't learn that from Jesus. I didn't teach you that one. So we have to begin to see. But what did Jesus teach us? And that's what he's getting into. So, in this text, and we are not going to obviously get everything done, but there's some key phrases that we want to start building on that we're going to complete next week. He begins to tell us after we hear him and we talk about him and we say that Jesus is true in verse 21, then we begin to put off 
the former lifestyle of the old man. The things that used to be what we were part of. And the thought is literally strip off that and replace it with something else. So he says, strip off or pull off the old man. And then in verse 24, put on the new man, which is after righteousness and holiness is, is true. So we take something off and we put something on that. And the teaching creates main point. I find myself sometimes saying, oh, what is really true to have? I want to change something that's better for me, and I think it will be more Christ-like. So, so we begin to look at what we have been doing, and we think, well, that's a bad idea. Maybe you could change the way you're doing that. And we begin to put that away. And we stop having doing that bad habit, whatever it is. But the failure usually is putting something on to replace it. And what happens is because we didn't replace it with godly thinking, we begin to go right back to the old myth because that's what we've been doing most of our life. That's what our routine, our habits have always been. And to incorporate good habits, good things that are godly, if we don't implement them right away, it's going to fail. I know with a lot of people through the years, you know, with, with addictions, you know, the drugs and, you know, the, the alcohol and a lot of other addictions, you know, they're just too big. Sometimes we call them, but I start with young men, certainly young men, uh, literally understanding their addiction to anger. I mean, they love rage. It's like they, anything that triggers them, it's almost like I'm glad they find something else to read about and play something. And so we have a lot of different uh, emotions and, and things that can be out of sorts with, with God. And the thing is, if we see this and recognize it as wrong, and it's not showing truth in Christ, that Christ didn't teach us that type of anger or that type of greed, that my whole life is around money, 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 you got to have more. But well, Jesus didn't teach me that. So if this is your mindset, this is to be what you wake up with in the morning, what you go to sleep in your mind, and then the point. Well, the question is, if we say, well, I'm going to pass that off. You've got to replace it with something. There has to be a transforming, a renewing of how the mechanics are and how you're looking, to, looking at this. Well, well, how do we do this? Well, you know, sometimes we use an alcoholic for illustration. They say, I know this is killing me. I don't have the bad thoughts. And I want to put it away. And they start putting the bottle away. And they pour it down the sink and they buy more. And they pour it down the sink and they buy more. And they pour it down the sink and they buy more. They try to get some accountability buddies. And then they feel behind their, their backs. You know, and they're looking at this. And why cannot I ever get a, a, uh, a victory over this? And the problem is, you're doing it. You, you have no strength to overcome this. So there has to be now an understanding that I can do all things through Christ. We begin to incorporate the Word of God to begin to transform the mind so it is not just a putting off of something. That's what we say, yeah, I quit. Uh, versus, yes, we were God being silent. I didn't think about it anymore. I did the math. I could take after my first time. 
out of God. You're a king and you're a priest. You're way above that. Look, live above that garbage. And the highlight that will put away. And this is what we'll be talking about next week, Lord Lord. It's verse 26 and verse 31. Both use that phrase, put away something. And I'm going to highlight that you can read them on your own. Don't be a liar anymore. Stop lying. That's what the Christians do. Somebody's going to find a lie. He also says, don't be involved with things. Sinful anger. The right anger. But we're talking about sinful anger that we saw in the same anger. Don't be a thief anymore. Don't steal. Don't, don't be a thief. That's not what Christians do. Don't have to lose your language. Just garbage, garbage language. Don't stand in or vexed the Holy Spirit of God who's in the you. And then he says, I want you to put these things off. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, anger, evil speaking, be put away from you with all that malice, that ill will that you have to fight somebody, that you want the worst thing for them. And then he says, and he doesn't do the phrase put on, but I'm going to put it in there for sure to do. This is what God wants you to put on. Put on kindness. Be kind unto another. Tender hearted. Most have compassion. Forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. This is what God wants us to put on. Rip off the bad and put on the good. And what's going to happen is people are going to see a renewed mind in you. It brings a difference. The mechanics, the way we reason, we begin to have a fresh mental and spiritual attitude in everything that we do. I'm going to repeat that. If the mechanics are right, the way we're processing and the way we're reading, if we do it right, it creates that for you and I a fresh mental and spiritual attitude toward everything. And I'm preaching today, the depression starts to go away. The anger, the spite, the vengeful thoughts, when we start to think as Jesus did, we begin to realize, who's that coming? Certainly. And I say, hey, you want to come to church with you? And you're like, really? You're one of those? And we lose our ability to be believable because we're acting just like the world. So if we're going to affect our community, this is how we do it. Transformed mind. The way we reason. You say, I'm happy the way I am. Okay. And they are. I'm seeing Christians that are, you know, much older than me, and every conversation I have is nothing but hate, spite, anger. I never hear talk about Jesus. Never hear talk about the Lord, prayer, pain, and spiritual. It's all negative. I like space. My, I hate kids. I hate everything in life. And what does the Bible say? I know, I go to Sunday school. 
What is that required? Can you begin to have the mind of Christ in you to transform the way we actually think about things? Word, the word is made. Without Christ, it's all possible. Without understanding, forgiveness, and grace, if we forgive, the same way we were forgiven by Christ. Help us, Lord, to the truth. Help us see the truth, Lord, in your word. You will hear the word. The very time I told my friend, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, and if that will all be weak, Believing that Jesus is true, believing that Jesus truly died in the cross for you, and you can't walk around and that. And you may say, well, I've always been told you do good and it will outweigh the bad, and then you eventually get into heaven. Mm-hmm. That's not the Bible. The Bible says there's only one way for us to get to heaven after Jesus Christ. He's going to die, he was right, so he should be forgiven. Now, God wants you to change what we're talking about. God wants you to live a resurrected life. Absolutely. So without him, you can't do it. Impossible. So, the for me to die, rose again for you, he comes into you and begins to teach you his character, teach you who he is. And that's how you begins. But when I say this, my friend, there is no way when I was up that I would ever even imagine myself standing before hundreds of people speaking on this. Never. What I thought that this was going to be what I would do or desire to do. For God who transformed the life. Oh, I'm saying, you may be a Christian. You may be a Christian. You may be doing things because God changes the life. And by Christ's name, 